Hey, this is Javar Blake of the Painter Files Podcast. Welcome to episode 75. <laughs> hey guys, how's it going? Hola, que leves. You know, I never imagined myself to be someone who took a bunch of pills every day in the morning. I guess it just comes with age, but uh, I just wasn't, I wasn't ready for it, you know? I wasn't ready to take all these things. And they helped me a lot, but it still makes me feel kind of old. And I'm not good at taking pills. It's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard to do this. I don't like it. I don't like it. But I feel better after I do it. I got myself Paulo de Arco because I am an old man and I need this stuff for prostate stuff. I got my red Korean ginseng, which is actually pretty good. But that's in water in tincture form. I don't so much mind that. Even though I'm, I'm like struggling to swallow it. Uh, and then there's my MSM, which is like 100 milligram, which is pretty good for me. I, it feels like a horse pill. The other ones are soft and it's still hard for me to do. This one's a hard pill and it's super difficult, but it helps with like my bones and everything. Ugh, don't grow old, it's awful. <laughs> you gotta take medicines. <sighs> Never tell you I wanted to be in radio once upon a time. I had a whole cool radio voice and everything. This is Joar Blake coming to you live from the city of Silver Spring, Maryland. I always took like weird pauses though, so it wasn't necessarily the best way to go about it. I remember my dad, because my dad's a radio DJ, and he was always like, you gotta stop saying uh and hmm and all these things. But it's, you know, it's natural speak in a way. The pauses and the breaths and all that stuff, it's what real people do. So, oh well. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, you know, I record with the windows open and the cat's out and all this stuff, so occasionally you may hear something. Sorry if that bothers you. I know some of you have said something once or twice, and I've ignored you because I don't really care. <laughs> I love doing the podcast, but I, I like doing it the way I like doing it, so I'm going to keep doing it that way. Sorry. So... The main reason for a lot of this being recorded the way it is right now is because I did not have my mic with me in the car while I was driving, and I had this really great story about art school, and I forgot to actually record it. So here we go. (laughs) I remember this time in art school when this place called Fat City existed. And Fat City had, like, like fire dancers and like all this type of wild, crazy, ridiculous shit. It's just the best way I can think to describe it. It was just insane. 
and we were all like these little babies who would like were like barely 21 if that and we would go there and we would get like spice cider and hot chocolates and all this stuff and it would just be insane and like they were like bikers and like artists and photographers and writers and musicians and they had all these cool little just things that we did constantly that's Tom by the way you hear breathing it's Tom's decided he wants to breathe into the microphone <laughs> and it was just really kind of amazing um it felt like such a family thing we were ridiculous because we would try and hit on these older women who and they would hit on us uh who were probably like maybe in I mean, not even my age now they were probably like 25 27 30 tops and you know it never never worked out well i take that back didn't work out for me worked out for some other people um but it was just wild and this was all going on during gallery crawls and i miss gallery crawls so much i think that's probably the one thing i miss about north carolina is the gallery crawls and my buddy ryan ryan's amazing um yeah it was just something else, man. You would go and they'd open up all these like galleries in the area and the restaurants would participate and like the build museums and they would just empty out and make all these cool spots for people to walk through and just check everything out. And it was just incredible. We'd park like two miles away and we would walk from where we were because there were so many people there and we'd just go. And there were, like, food trucks and little restaurants and all that stuff. And we would, we'd have to walk, like, in the dark to, like, an ATM because we were not aware that it was dangerous. <laughs> we would go do all that stuff. I remember there were artist lofts that got shut down, and they refused to let the artists go in and get their stuff because it was deemed unsafe. But it was ridiculous because they had sold them as condos to these people. And so it was like a huge legal case that happened later on. And like half the side, half of the block on the other side were like these condos they hadn't sold that mysteriously burned down. So it was just like this dead side of the, of the street. It was so weird and hideous at the same time. Remind me of D.C., the parts of D.C. that were like that where stuff was just burned down and just completely destroyed and you would just be like, wow, that is messed up. And it's just kind of how it worked out, honestly. We would see, like, these random things kind of abandoned on the street, like a burned-out piano that still had a couple of keys, and my friends would sit there and just with, like, a lawn chair, a fold-out lawn chair at this burned-out piano and play these songs with keys that didn't quite work the way they should Herbie Hancock and stuff like that it was just so wild it was it was a hell of an experience honestly one I, I've never quite been able to find since then and it was just crazy crazy beautiful sexy madness I remember this art store that was like two to five miles away and we would go there and we'd get a bunch of supplies and then we would put like painted canvases in our trunks of our cars and drive over across the train tracks with these trains that would take like an hour sometimes to pass so you'd just be sitting 
had the train tracks waiting so you could go 20 feet. And we would try and get these guys who were the owners of this gallery to let us then um, put our stuff up there. Multitasking, which never really works in this situation. Um, and yeah, it was just crazy. We we even got a couple shows actually. We got to we got to tag along in a couple of shows, and these were like the artists of artists. Like you would see work, they'd open up all these galleries, and you would see work that you did not know were even galleries. You thought they were just like storage lockers or whatever. And they'd ring up the door, and there'd be like this whole festive, amazing carpeted, tabled, etc. Like they wielded they wielded in beforehand. So that you could just kind of see all that was going on. It was amazing. It was just a room within a room within a room. <laughs> and it was just so beautiful. And we, we were always trying to figure out how to get to be one of those artists. They were all like in their 50s and 60s. So like they had been established for a very long time. And they had, like, you know, savings and et cetera. Some were retired, so they were using that to, like, fund their art career. And, you know, there were a bunch of... Some of them were a bunch of old people who literally, like, had a bunch of roommates. And so they were paying very little to anything. And then they would make everything. And it was funny because they would oftentimes have their commercial work, which they would tell you everyone had to do, which is not necessarily true, young artist. And then, I mean, it is and it isn't. And then they would also have their, their like, actual work. Their actual work was so stunning. It was like watching a crystal form in real time. Like digging in your backyard and finding, like, rose quartz or something. And you're like, oh, my God, there's so much to the world. <laughs> it just, it opened up to you. It gave you, like, this new life that you'd never really imagined before all this. My co-host today is Tom, by the way. Hello, Tomas. How are you, buddy? He's good. If you listen real close, you can hear him. Yeah. <laughs> He's just sitting on my lap while I'm telling you guys goofy stories about art school. But yeah, it was just amazing. I miss those days. I want to bring those back somehow. I don't want to go back to those places, but I want to recreate them places now i just don't know how but i'll figure it out i gotta figure out where i want to end up i think honestly and then i want to put all that effort into that i think that's probably the main thing i don't want to end up here so i don't see the purpose in like making this thing here because it's not going to it's not going to last like i know when i walk away from it it just won't be there anymore a lot of these people don't want to, they don't want to make those things. They want to be that stuff. So they're not going to. It's a little wild. Sometimes our aspirations are single. We still, we still should make them, but we have to realize that like, we can't expect other people to take on those, those, those projects when we're done. That's not how it works. It is your joy and your sadness and your passion and your punctuation in some cases that makes this the way it is. I 
keep wanting to go back. Everybody keeps giving me all these old magazines, and I want to go back and cut little pieces out and make collages in my sketchbooks so I can show you guys in my website as these buses blow past. <laughs> Living in their real world. Gotta go, gotta be places type of world. It's just, uh, they're gonna put trolley cars here next in a couple of years. That's gonna be fucking crazy. That's gonna be so loud. <laughs> but they don't care. Hasten away, it's probably, the noise is probably the least bit of the problem, honestly. It's going to bring on all these, like, hipsters and. Alright, see you down. Um, these hipsters and all these kind of. People who don't really care about the community, but they want to kind of just make money off of it, which is always a little frustrating. I realize that's how capitalism works, but it doesn't make it an easier pill to swallow. It's always funny to me how like people try and tell you randomly, uh, yeah, you know, that's capitalism for you. That's what you got to do. You got to do that to get along. I don't know why they're a 1950s person um, <laughs> or 1940s. 20s, whatever. Extra, extra, a newsie. I don't know why they're a newsie in this situation, but they are. And it's just kind of funny to me, because, like, yes, the world changes and it charges things for what it does, but it doesn't make it something you have to participate in. Ah, glue stick. I'm actually collaging as I'm talking to you. It doesn't make it something you have to participate in. Like, you don't have to let everyone else decide how how you know the bread is made in your life <laughs> if you if you like your bread with raisins which you know i'm i'm sad for you but if you like your bread with raisins you know that's fine it doesn't matter the rest of the world and me doesn't like that you like raisins as much as you do it's not about that it's about your passions and what you want and how you feel all these things should be realistically made, you know? We gotta, we gotta come to the understanding that, like, what you love is exactly what you love. Your art style is your art style. And I say that as a hypocrite, because, like, I don't always make the art that I want to make exactly the way I want to make it. And I've got to get out of that. I've got to shake myself loose and free of those things and be more than just this kind of window for what people deem acceptable and not acceptable. Because that's not what art's about. Art is about making exactly all the things that you want to make and being the things that you want to be. It's hard. That's very hard to step outside of that. Because, you know, maybe you don't want wooden chairs. Maybe you want a rattan chair for all intents and purposes. <laughs> you want to go to, like, some 70s shop and find a rattan chair and do that. And that's up to you. There's nothing wrong with that. It's your house. All of this is your house. Your art is your house. If you want to put scotch tape on all the walls and then paint them different colors... I mean, it's going to be weird, but whatever. That's up to you. I think of, like, the way go-go music works in D.C., where it's kind of a pots and pans banging on everything. 
drum beats to popular songs that didn't exist before. And it's because they made it. They wanted that. And so they are exactly who they pretend to be. We should all strive for that. It's really important. Mm. Art is meant to be reflective of your insides. I remember the first time I started painting moths. It was kind of crazy. Nobody really understood what I was going for. It was just this kind of weird little project where I did one, and I did two, and then I did 70 all of a sudden. And I kept trying to make them feel a little more like me, so I kind of started looking at other artists and how they personalize stuff. And I ran across Macbeth and Swoon, with these two amazing artists, one from Chicago, one from Paris. And I thought about what the eyes kind of came from that. They kind of went hand in hand in a lot of ways. And Cavallo. Uh, Cavallo was also another one. But uh, yeah, I started making them and I started going about all these things. I've never really just done so many paintings of just my moths with eyes human eyes. I've never really gone to like extreme great lengths about them. Just kind of going, sorry, I'm driving. Uh, I never started just kind of making them into their own artwork. Which I think in a lot of ways I probably should have. I probably should have started just making these huge, gigantic pieces. I think the hard part that really gets me about it is because they're little bitty things. The idea of doing them in big ways means I have to do a crazy amount of detail. And I don't really know that there is a lot of detail to be done to them. Sometimes I feel like color is kind of the extra push. Like a lot of things kind of look good in black and white with shadowing, but when you add color to them, they just, they just pop explosion of, of life. I don't know. I, I think in a lot of ways, a lot of kind of the way that art really kind of grabs and grips is from the 3D effect. The shading and everything. Because I've seen like really good drawings, but when you add like a, when you start adding shadows and form to them, they really like, mmm, that's where it really comes from. That's where it really gets you. It's really where it goes. So yeah. It's just kind of interesting to me. Like I think back about all these different paintings and styles and whatnot that I've done throughout the years. And I really want to get back to them. But it's just, it's very hard to just kind of pick one thing. Which is making me think maybe I just need to pick a lot of things and just do all of them on a page. Do like just like a giant painting with every possible conceivable idea on top of it. Let the let that be the one project that ends the year, you know? So I have my figures and my little ones and then my 
strange little backgrounds, which I still need to work on backgrounds. I'm not great. I'm not great or the greatest on backgrounds. But I've noticed my pieces where I allow myself to do more than one image really kind of changes everything once it gets going. You change the studio around just a little bit because I think I put too much shelving up. And now I don't have the space that I once had to really move my arms and my elbows. And I feel like I'm not reaching out far enough. Like the extension of the brush isn't isn't to its fullest capacity. Uh, that makes sense to anyone else. <laughs> it makes sense to me though. But I don't know if that makes sense to anyone else. I don't know. I just want to... I want to move things. I want to feel moved. I want to go forward and grab as much as possible from the creative process to just let it all kind of form and become what it wants to be and what I would like it to be. I just don't know. There's structures I want to paint and there's machinery and there's organic life and there's just everything. Nothing is off limits. Everything is there waiting to be painted and made. So I'm going to do that. I just have to figure out how I'm going to accomplish it. That is the downside about uh, watercolors, which I, I do love. I love the, the flakiness of watercolors. How it all kind of, how it blends so beautifully. But then there are these occasions where like I'm trying to paint these actual like real images, these real patterns, and I'm having a, a bit of a hard time doing them because, you know, I'm, I'm still coming at them somewhat as like an acrylic painter, but, which is like do the background, then do another layer, then do another layer, like you're making a sandwich, and with acrylics, you can do that. With gouache, you can do it a little bit, you can do it a little less so. With watercolors, you can't do it, like it all blends. If I do a dark blue line underneath, a dark blue background, and then I try and do yellow circles and red inside of that blue, it's, it, it absorbs the blue, and it becomes like a greenish yellow color. And sometimes I just want powerful yellow. And I could just go back over it and over and over it until it's done, which is probably a better way to go. I think I'd be happier with that, as opposed to just kind of doing it once, being unhappy with it, and then moving on. Which is interesting, because that was never my real way of doing it when I did acrylic, but it's just, there's so much that goes into it. There's a bit of an exhaustion about the idea of trying to make something that... Uh, tangible, but untangible at the same time. I don't know if that makes sense. It doesn't even really make sense to me completely, but... I feel like there's still something to that, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna hold true to it. I don't know. I want to I want to feel moved by what I'm making. And I'm, I'm having these questions about it, and I'm letting all the film and stuff that I'm taking. I'm trying to find that one great shot out of a hundred that I want to paint, and I'm I've I've had a few. Like the one I did of Alec. But I don't know. I don't know when the next one's going to be. 
what it's going to come to, how it's going to roll, how it's going to become this full-fledged sacrifice of artistic life force. I don't know. And then I've got those wooden people that I want to paint, and they are perpetually interesting to me because I've got the two, which are the girl, the luchadora, and then the skull man. So I figure out what the third one's going to be. He's this giant guy, and I want to do him. I just don't know what I should do him as. Or her. Maybe I should do another her, you know? And now with my, my skills at a much higher level, I can basically do anything I want. And sometimes, I don't know, the, the, there was a time when I was limited with my abilities in which I had a couple ideas on what I wanted to do. And then I would go, okay, well, these are what I'm thinking about doing. And so I need to just kind of work within the lines of something I'm able and possible to create on. And now I don't really have that limitation anymore. I can just make whatever. And so it's a little bit kind of insane. Because the sky is the limit, literally. I have no... I have no stopping points. What I can't make... What I couldn't make before, I can make now. I won't say I make it effortlessly, but I definitely... I don't have a fear that I can't make that now. I have this confidence that I didn't expect to have growing older and now it's kind of the main thing it's how I'm going about everything (laughs) I'm just I'm proud and I'm happy but I'm I've left myself in kind of a a pickle on if I make something and I feel like I could do better I'm oftentimes forced, via my own discretion, to make it better. It's a weird war to wage against oneself. That your skill level has become kind of your obstacle. Because your skill level is very high. And so putting out something that just... A fingernail is a fingernail is a fingernail. It's like, no, but it could be better. (laughs) And so it's just crazy. But that is Painter Madness, you know? Painter Madness is the ability to know you can make something amazing and then forcing yourself to focus on how you do. It's important. It's all important. So massive downer, got the film developed, got three pictures that actually weren't overexposed by accident uh, on one roll, and then I got basically like 36 on the other, 37 on, no, 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 30, it's 38 that worked out altogether, a one roll has 34, so I only got three on one roll that worked. I think I forgot that it was, I had film in it and I opened it and I just wrecked it. And then I just was like, you know what, I'm just gonna shoot the whole roll and see what works out. So I got that. 
They are good. They look beautiful. I mean, the ones that turned out look really cool. I got some great ones of my sister-in-law. I got one, a great one of Alec. Uh, a lot of textures. A little blurred. So I need to work on standing still more. And give myself kind of take a breath. And do whatever. But they're not overexposed, which is nice. So the second roll that I put in there actually looks really good. So... I am excited. I realize now I gotta stop trying to take pictures in the dark because my camera is not going to remotely play with me <laughs> the way I want it to uh, for my film cameras. So I need to just take my digital. I need to take my digital in my film and just like accept the factor that I, I need to use my digital at night and I need to use my film during the day and just like, just to be, be happy about it, you know? But I feel good though. I like, I kind of like failing with something. <laughs> it's a weird thing to say because it costs me money, but I like failing a little bit with this stuff. Like, it's a challenge. I don't often feel challenged anymore when it comes to art stuff. There's like this, this moment where I make things and like I want them to be really, really beautiful and kind of amazing. And then. You know, I find myself somewhere more, less towards the middle and more towards what I was going towards. And sometimes even more so beyond what I was hoping it was going to be. And there's a really beautiful aspect to that, but there's also like a very kind of, you don't have to work as hard next time because it's going to turn out kind of cool. And it's just ego, you know? I like that. I like that it checks my ego. There's something scary about feeling like you can do anything and be anything at all times. So, I'm learning, you know? I'm learning the craft. I'm, I'm filling myself up on the trade. I'm, I, there's something weird about just loving the sound of rolling film and taking a picture. Now, because I have mostly black and white film, I think I am going to get the home developer kit so I can just do it at home. Because although it's fun to send it off and see what it's going to turn into, I kind of feel like I'm wasting a lot of money that way. So I think I'm going to get myself a little developer kit, like a little tumbler. They're pretty cool, actually. I'm excited about them. Somebody told me I should make like a wish list on Amazon. And I was like, I don't really want to do that because I don't really want anybody to buy me anything. I'm not good about that. Like my favorite thing to do is just buy myself something if I want it. And then really just kind of take the burden off of people. Because they go like, oh, your birthday's coming up. And I'm like, yeah, in March. Like, Don't buy anything. And I'm like, I'm not going to buy anything from... You want me not to buy anything for myself that I could enjoy from the beginning of November until the middle of March. Do you hate me? I don't understand. <laughs> like, ew. That's like no enjoyment whatsoever. I feel bad because like... Ugh, it's such capitalist craziness where it's like oh I gotta buy something to make myself happy but I don't need to buy anything to make myself happy it's just I like taking photos and I like painting and I'm very good at one and I'm so-so at the other but I'm getting better so there's something really kind of nostalgically strange and beautiful about that that I just really 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 enjoy yeah the funny thing is I actually got really into photography because one of my best friends in the whole world is this dude who's listening to this podcast, and his name is Netararu. Netararu is probably one of the coolest guys I've ever met. 
he's super chill, he's very, like, he's very healthy, and he's good about being, like, very positive and stuff like that. Netararu rides his bike everywhere he goes, and he takes photos with his camera. And, like, since he started, since I saw him doing that, I just felt this big well up inside me that was like, I want to get back into photography. I was so good at it at one point in time, and I'd really like to get back to that point. So, you know, I've got all these cameras now. I need to pull my Hulk out and take, like, these weird little moody photos, because I like those. But also, you know, take, like, good photos. Like, genuinely good photos. I talked to my friend Brian, and he said, you know, you've got 400 millimeter, you've got 35 millimeter film. Its setting is 400, so you should have it at 400. This is all, like, tech talk. I'm sorry if this is boring. Uh... (laughs) So you should start it at that, and if it's darker, then you should try and bring it a little further down. But, you know, you need a flash, you need all these other things. And I have them, but I never use my flash. And I even have a light bar, but I never use my light bar. I'm very bad about these things. There's something about the preparation of it. I just, I don't like using any of that stuff. I really just enjoy doing stuff the way I like doing it. So I've got to get better about accepting that these are the ways that things are. I've got a whole book on it that I still need to read just about digital photography I just find it I find it fascinating but it's just the film photography oh it's just so fucking sexy I don't know it's just they're simple things but they're just magical within their simplicity you know it's like uh, my favorite cup of coffee that I can get like coffee coffee is literally just (laughs) 7-Eleven it's simple but it's just kind of great within its simplicity. It's made well. The people are friendly. You can get it whenever time you want during the day. And it's just, you know, it's nice. They're clean. I like that they're clean. I used to try Starbucks, but Starbucks, I don't know. Starbucks feels like a hit or miss. So I just, I stopped going there. I have like a little local coffee shop that I go to and I love that. But when I don't have time to go there, I can go to any Starbucks. I can go to any 7-Eleven. So... It's just kind of nice. I need to get better about bringing my own mug, though. Because I feel really bad and gross about constantly using disposable cups. Like, we got to be more responsible about the environment. So, I can only ask these things of people if I myself am willing to do them. And so, I will I will make it a point tomorrow to start putting my, my mug, a reusable mug, in the car. So, I can always bring it with me when I need to do stuff. And I think I get a discount for using my own mug, actually. Even if I don't, I don't care. I would prefer to be able to just, to do that. I think it's, I think it's noble, you know? It's noble. I like nobility (laughs) in these things. It's like I told you, I used to want to be a samurai when I was a little kid. I thought it was the coolest thing in the whole world. I wanted to have honor, and I wanted to fight people with swords, and I think it's probably more I wanted to fight people with swords. But I, I really, I don't know, I loved Bushido. I read all these books, and I went to all these museums, and I saw the Takata Warriors, and just everything and I was just so fascinated with just the craftsmanship the beauty I got to talk to all these people who were like in it and doing stuff and it was just really really cool so I'd like to get back to the point of being like a camera samurai (laughs) if that could be a thing and then I, I read all these stories of all these samurai and how like they changed and they morphed and they did all these things I always wanted to do a big painting of a samurai, but I was always kind of worried I was going to do, like, a 
it was going to feel inappropriate, like a cultural appropriate thing, because I wasn't sure that I was going to do it completely right, and I didn't want to do like a half-assed version of it, because I respected it so much, it just felt, it felt insincere to do it in a different way, to do it in a kind of backhanded way, you know? I read about the, the uh, first black samurai, who was actually real, which is kind of funny, because I love Afro samurai as an anime, but it, he, he was actually a person, so it's kind of interesting. I don't think he ever actually got to... He was a samurai, but he wasn't officially a samurai, like he was a protector of a shogun, and he did all the things that samurai do. He had the, out, the clothing, and he had the skills, etc., but I don't think he was allowed to be technically a samurai because I think it was something, if I remember properly, he had to be born into a samurai family so he couldn't be. It was like a knight, in a way, to kind of dumb it down a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm looking at this full moon, driving home, getting a new cell phone because you have to do it every couple years because you're playing. Um, now, my, fam- my, fam- my, my phone is starting to have a hard time keeping a battery life. So I've had the same upgrade waiting for me for two years now. I'm literally into the second year as we speak, and it's just not quite having the same effect anymore. I get like halfway through the day and I gotta recharge everything. Which makes sense, because like in a way that's kind of myself at this point. I get halfway through the day and I've gotta recharge. I gotta do cool things and let myself really kind of vibe into what I'm working with. Like I've got all, I've got this new kind of uh, sushi maker that I use that I love to just use at home and then I'm pickling things and I'm taking them to work with me even though I gotta deal with people making weird and rude comments while I eat my pickled food. I feel better, you know? I feel like my body is more responsive to it. Like it's, it's good for me. I drink crazy amounts of water and I've taken all these vitamins and everybody's commenting on how I'm losing all this weight and it feels weird still because I know we've talked about this but I know that's meant to be a compliment but it still feels kind of awkward to have someone point out that like you were so heavy before and I don't feel like I was heavy I feel like it's heavier but you know I don't know it's just weird it's a weird it's a weird feeling to have someone point that out about me so I'm just trying to take compliments learning how to feel like these things are meant to be said to me so that I feel good. So I'm letting that happen. I've got a bunch of cucumbers I gotta chop up tonight and all this stuff. So I'm gonna make myself lunch and then I'm just gonna let it chill for a while and just enjoy myself. So I really like the homemade pickle thing. My friend Scott got me into it back in the day. And I just, there's something really kind of beautiful about it. I remember as a young kid, so this is an art, it's not an art school story, but it's an artist story. So I remember back in the day when I was a young kid, like 11 or 12, my mom was dating this guy. His name was Charles Rogers. He was an art professor at an HBC, HBCU, which for those who don't know is a historically black college. So he was an art professor there. He lived, his, his college was near my grandma's house. My abuelita. So he would go. I would go there to his house, which lived. He lived like on the other side of town. So I would sometimes hang out with him, 
in his his studio in the back of his house, and it was like a, it was basically what would have been a pantry, but he had like gutted it and put dump sinks in it, and it was just the coolest, coolest fucking thing. I still need to call him actually. He wanted to talk to me because he saw my work and he was super impressed, and I wasn't really sure what to say, so I haven't called him back, and I feel bad about that. So I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Professor Rogers. You're my mentor, and I should really call you. I don't know that he listens to this, but if he does, I want him to know. I am meaning to get back to you. I'm just very, very, very bad at it. Um, so, in that, uh, he had this... He was very he was very sparse in what he always had in his fridge. I remember that. He had water and potatoes and steaks in the freezer. And that's all he really ate. I think he had, like, an onion, really. And most of the stuff he had in his fridge was always kind of, like, sprouted and stuff. Because he would just kind of, he'd eat stuff as he needed to, and then he'd put stuff away. And I was kind of, I tried steak a couple times, but, like, I didn't really eat meat, so I just, it didn't always work out well with me on my stomach. But it was nice, you know? We, we, we talk about, he got me into boxing, so I'd get really interested in just kind of watching boxing and seeing how it goes. I remember it because it was the, I remember watching the fight where Mike Tyson lost his world title to a boxer called Buster Douglas, who was kind of, no one expected him to win, and he won the world title, and he lost it almost immediately. And Mike Tyson got into all this trouble because he raped a girl, is basically the the gist of it. Now, since then, Mike Tyson has gone to jail for a very long time, he's come back out, and he's, like, rehabilitated his image. And it's interesting to hear, like, people talk about him because in a way you go to jail for a super long time you've paid your debt to society but another aspect you did rape a girl and beat a girl up so I feel it's it's a weird the criminal justice system is complicated I guess it's kind of the best thing to say I'm not a fan of Mike Tyson but I I refuse to I refuse to like down, browbeat a man who went to jail for 12 years and, you know, got out and made a life for himself. Like, it's, I, in a way that's commendable, it's just controversial, commendable. So, back to Mr. Rogers. <laughs> Charles Rogers, by far one of the chillest dudes that I ever met in my life. And he would, he would take me to the back where there was all this kind of art and stuff and he would just give me, like, blank pieces of really thick paper and he's like I want you to like draw stuff and paint stuff and do all these things and I do them and then you go it's not done yet you gotta work more on it and you're like ah oh, this is the worst I'm done with this and he's like no you gotta you gotta feel completely utterly done with everything you make and he'd show me like these paintings that he'd do in front of me and it would take him like 20 minutes to do these like super complicated paintings and I remember thinking, like, why does it take him? Why am I not allowed to take as little time as he did? And that's when he explained the whole style aspect to me. Where he goes, it's not how long it takes. It's whether you feel like it's done or not. I asked you if you felt like it was done. You hesitated. And so I know you don't feel like it's done. You just feel done with it. So you need to figure out what you need to do to make it feel like you're completely, like, finished and really completed. And that's really always stuck with me. Like, the art is really just kind of about 
making and doing, but also feeling the completeness that you should feel when you make something beautiful. And I think that's kind of the important part. Art is, art is fall. Art is the leaves on the trees changing until they're ready to come down and make grass and all these other things as they biodegrade. Art feeds the mind the way leaves feed the earth. So thanks for listening to the show. Uh, It's been really fun. This is the end of the show. Yeah. Um, hmm. Banner Files Podcast, episode 75. Love you. This is amazing. You're wonderful. Fuck Donald Trump. Free the kids in cages. Bye. Ciao. Banner up.